Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. So, yes, hi, hello again, everyone. I know it has been a little while since I've done an episode, at least a little while for me. Um, Mainly, I was trying to, in our new coronavirus times, trying to reestablish some sort of schedule in my life, because even though I am still technically an essential worker and I do still go to work, um, it's amazing how quickly just like one little change in your schedule can just mess up your whole schedule and then all of a sudden like you don't know what day it is anymore. So in my attempt to give my life some sort of normalcy back, I'm going to try to get back on my usual, normal times, podcast recording schedule. So that's why I've been a little absent this week. I've been trying to kind of like reset so I can have like some kind of marker to my days of knowing what day it is, because I'm sure just like most of you, we're all kind of adrift and wondering what is going on and when are things going to go back to normal and are they going to ever go back to normal and what day is it? And do I need to put pants on today? Am I leaving the house? So (laughs) that's why I've been gone. So I just wanted to start with that. And that is as good a segue as any to talking about people who now have new schedules, mainly speaking, no schedules at all. Um, over the past couple of weeks, um, the the first week that we did the COVID unemployment numbers, it was about 9 million. And it's calmed down. <laughs> I, I say it's calmed down. Um, the week before last, because all these numbers are a week late because they're talking about the week before. Um, the week before last, you had 6.6 million people. And then the next week, you had another 6.6 million people. So we are now in the span of three weeks at almost 17 million people who have now successfully applied for unemployment. And I put the asterisk there on successfully applied because as anybody who knows who's been paying attention or God forbid, it's been you trying to get on unemployment, um, the state systems have just been hammered. I mean, I think New York literally took the phone off the hook for a while. Um, There was footage coming out of Florida. Apparently their site has crashed to the point where people were having to actually show up at the unemployment office to pick up actual paper applications to fill out and then bring back. Um, So yeah, obviously 17 million people in the span of three weeks. That is a lot of people. It is roughly 10% of U.S. workers who have lost their jobs in the past three weeks. And like I said, it's just systems have been hammered because as I've pointed out before, this is all handled on a state level. It's not handled on a federal level. And there's been a lot of finger pointing and people wanting to blame this governor or that governor or whoever and whatever. Honestly, I can't point fingers on this one because this is just unprecedented. And there's not a state in this country that is set up with an unemployment system that could just handle just a mass amount of people applying all at the same time. So I I try to cut the unemployment agencies a little bit of slack because they're doing everything they can. Um, As I had been reporting over the past couple of weeks, states had been waiting for instructions from the Department of Labor as to how to do the federal unemployment assistance program. 
Um, it seems like, and I've been following this on the Georgia Department of Labor site, that just this past week, like midweek, they finally got information and instruction from the Department of Labor as to how to handle those additional claims that the federal government is supposed to be covering. So fingers crossed, all of you who are either in the system or trying to get in the system will be able to do so soon and that those federal unemployment assistance checks will start showing up for you soon. Fingers crossed. And and all of you that are stuck in this right now or any of you that feel like it may be you next week or the week after that, Good luck. I mean, hopefully states get this figured out, but it's just, it's so much. It's so much in such a short amount of time. And so, of course, when you're talking about just catastrophic numbers like these, and like I said, this is not like anything we've ever seen before. I mean, we have so far eclipsed the Great Depression as far as unemployed and Mind you, the the unemployment rates during the Great Depression, I mean, this was spread out over years. This all happened in three weeks. That's wild. And so, of course, it has exacerbated the calls of people who want to start reopening up the economy, start letting non-essential workers go back to work and basically try to get back to quote unquote normal. And I understand the idea behind it. And I understand, especially when you've got this many people out of work, you see what this is doing to the economy and it is just hammering it. And there's there's no way around that. There's no way to not have this discussion, especially when it's just, it's gotten this far out of control. But here is the thing about reopening the economy and getting everybody back to work and trying to get back to normal. And even Ezra Klein over at Vox, wrote an article about this that I actually agreed with, which is what normal would look like now, like what reopening the economy would look like right now. And in the absence of having the amount of testing that we need, which we still don't have, and that is really the only way we are going to get back to any kind of normal is if you can finally start testing people, figure out who's infected, who's got antibodies, who needs to be quarantined, who is safe to go back out until we figure out Okay, if you have the antibodies, if you've had COVID, are you then immune or can you get reinfected? There seems to be some data coming out of South Korea that you can get reinfected. They're having cases of reinfection. I'm not entirely sure if that means that these people are asymptomatic, they're symptomatic, whether they can spread the virus. But it does seem like, at least preliminarily speaking, getting it may not necessarily mean that you're going to be immune from it from for the rest of your life. So there's that. But what you would have to do basically is either do kind of what Taiwan and South Korea and I think Singapore is doing this too, where you're basically, you're being tracked. Basically, you have an app on your phone, you have to take your temperature, you have to do all this stuff. The government has put trackers on people who have been infected to track their movements. So that would be one thing. Or you would have to engage in some kind of high-level government surveillance to watch people to make sure that they're not still spreading the COVID around. So opening up things right now, I mean, it sounds 
nice in theory, but when you start looking at what some of these proposals look like in practice, and I'll try to find the article and link it down in the show notes because it really is rather frightening, but I mean, it's what logistically to do it, you really need to start thinking about what the trade-offs would be as far as getting to a point especially right now where people would be comfortable even doing that. And that's kind of the second half of the equation is if you opened up everything right now, how many people are sending their kids back to school? Like how many of you are going to a sporting event or a concert right now? Like they even canceled Burning Man, which has never happened. Like who would even be comfortable going to something like that right now? Even if you are one of these people that like open back up the economy, I'm like, okay, that's cool. But you also have the second half of that is when are people going to feel comfortable even doing things like sitting down in a restaurant or going to a bar or going to a club or going to like smaller gatherings where maybe there's one or 200 people, not necessarily like something where like you're going to the Michigan game and there's 250,000 people in a stadium, even like small stuff. Like when are people going to feel comfortable doing that? And to me, the only way that's going to happen is we get a vaccine or we drastically ramp up testing. So I, I'm sympathetic and I'm, I have been someone who has been out here ever since the whole lockdown thing began pointing out that this is going to have an economic cost and it is going to be very, very high and make no mistake about that. And it is a conversation that needs to be had, but just kind of reflexively going like, oh, well, we need to reopen up everything. It's like, eh, you might want to think that one through too, because that's not going to look the way you think it's going to look either. So yeah, it's it's kind of crazy out there. And I'm, I'm dreading seeing what the next batch of unemployment numbers are going to be, because I think at this point, um, every state is under a federal emergency status. Um, I think it's up to 90 some odd percent of Americans are under some sort of lockdown. So I don't see these numbers getting much better in the nearest future. In fact, we're probably going to keep hemorrhaging jobs. And that's depressing. And uh, I, I know I've talked about this a lot, but it's just none of this had to happen. But here we are. And it's just like, no matter what, there's no there's no good answer or solution right now. And that sucks. That really fucking sucks. But that's the truth of the matter. Like there's no good option right now. And so I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe let people do it on a voluntary basis. But then again, you, it's, I don't know. Like, I think it should just be left up to each state. Like I certainly don't advocate for like a federal nationwide lockdown. Like I don't even think that's constitutionally possible. So but it's just there's there's no good answer right now and every every proposal on the table right now has some serious serious seriously bad drawbacks that almost make them non-starters if for not the fact that these are the options that are on the table and the the ideal option isn't on the table right now even still after all this time we do not have testing ramped up to where it needs to be and it just that that's annoying that is really, really annoying. <laughs> but moving on from that, because I'm sure we will be discussing that more in the future, unfortunately. Um, a controversy that started off really stupid, but then ended up, I think, going someplace 
that is rather illuminating is apparently Jared Kushner was giving a press conference and he referred to the national stockpile of PPE as ours. And so everybody kind of lost it trying to parse what does ours mean. So somebody finally put it to Trump. Like, okay, when Jerry Kushner said ours, what did he mean? And of course, there's the, the usual ducking and dodging and diving of the question. And for what it's worth, I do not watch these press conferences. There's just, there's nothing useful coming out of them. So I don't waste my time. But essentially, the way Trump answered the question was that the R is the federal government and that it's not necessarily that the stockpile is for the states, which first off is a new understanding of what national stockpiles are for. Because up until I guess we decided to redefine who ours is, it was always presented as and even put in language that it is there for the states to draw on if they so need. So Basically, the upshot is that Trump told the states, you're on your own on this. You need to get your own PPE and you should have already did it anyway, which is a dick thing to say right now, to be completely honest. But if that's the way you want to play it, fine. Then it's on the states. Here's the problem. And this is something that I started to see popping up stories like this about a week, week and a half ago. And it's to the point where this isn't like a conspiracy theory at this point. Like FEMA has already had to admit in one case that this is indeed what they're doing. Um, they are, through the, the, the Defense Protection Act, identifying shipments of PPE that are coming into states, that are coming into hospitals, that are coming into private businesses, and stealing them for lack of a better term. I mean, you can call it seizing, you can call it reappropriating, you can call it whatever you want, but FEMA is showing up on tarmacs to take shipments that were already ordered and paid for by somebody else, taking the PPEs and doing God knows what with them. Nobody knows what the fuck FEMA is doing with these PPEs, but they are they are literally stealing them from people who need them. And so it's become this thing where Massachusetts was really like the first case that kind of blew up. And that is they ordered in PPE for their hospitals and stuff and FEMA seized it. So the next step was the state of Massachusetts had to, to concoct this like scheme involving a Chinese ambassador and ordering these supplies from China and then getting Robert Kraft to send the Patriots private plane over to China to pick it up and bring them back under what I would presume would be the the idea that since this is a private plane and that this is kind of be maybe a little more under the radar, so maybe FEMA won't show up and steal this batch of PPE too. But yes, that is exactly what they're doing. And the case that they finally had to admit to it at, um, SEIU, uh, one of the unions that covers healthcare workers, brokered a deal well, an alleged deal with a supplier for it was like some 30 million some odd masks coming out of China. So they brokered this deal. Um, FEMA found out about it. The FBI started investigating the deal because FEMA basically wanted to know if, if they could seize those masks. Come to find out the deal was fraudulent to begin with. There were no masks. It was all it was all a scheme. But 
in that in that story, it basically was confirmed that yes, FEMA is tracking shipments. They are tracking orders. They are looking into taking people's stuff. So if you're going to say that it is the state's responsibility to get their PPE, and then you turn around when they get the orders and you take them from them, and mind you, these are orders that these states are paying for out of taxpayer money, and the federal government's just reappropriating them to do fuck all with it. What the fuck? How, how is a state supposed to get supplies to their hospitals and to the, the, the businesses and everybody who needs these supplies if even when you order it, the federal government shows up and steals your shit? What is that? And the fact that it's not a huge story yet blows my mind. Because it was it was kind of rumored there for a while, and it was rumored that it was FEMA, but it was kind of presented as a government agency, but everybody kind of figured out who it was. And then, like I said, in the SEIU story, it was confirmed that it's FEMA doing this, that FEMA is just taking people's stuff. And they're taking it from hospitals, too, like even hospitals that are placing orders. If they find out about the order, they will try to seize it. And so states are having to go through this, like, bizarre way of trying to do this shit under the radar. Um, There's one state that declined to be named who is so fearful that FEMA is going to show up and seize the, the PPE shipment that they have coming in that they were considering deploying the National Guard to the airport to protect the shipment. What? What in the hell is going on here? I mean, it's one thing to be like, okay, it's on the States. All right, fine, whatever. But then you show up and you take their stuff and nobody knows what FEMA is doing with this. Nobody knows if they're stockpiling it, if they're distributing it to people, if to who, whom, like nobody knows. Nobody knows what's happening to this PPE that FEMA is showing up and taking that somebody else paid for. That's stealing. If I did that, that would be stealing. Everybody would be like, that is a thief and a horrible, horrible human being, and she should be locked under the jail because she's stealing PPE from people who need it and paid for it. So maybe, hopefully, in the near future, this will become a huge story and somebody will be able to find out from FEMA what they're doing with all of this stuff that they're seizing because the national stockpile is allegedly depleted. But that kind of doesn't make any sense in light of the fact of knowing that the federal government is seizing shipments. And I I don't know. Maybe they're putting them in a warehouse. Maybe they're giving them to someone. Nobody knows. But it's really, really, really fucked up to do that. And before anybody asks, yes, under the Defense Protection Act, that's entirely legal. The federal government has the right, once that act is invoked, to seize anything that they deem to be essential to national security. So yes, this is legal. They can legally do this. That's wild. That's, and that's why, that's why you don't... Everybody who sat there and just screamed at Trump to, to invoke the Defense Prote- Production Act, thanks. This is what you got. You got this. You've got the federal government telling 3M who they can and cannot sell PPE to. You've got the federal government 
going and seizing supplies that were meant to go to other countries and keeping them here. Like, <laughs> oh my God, this is such a clusterfuck. This is so bad. And it's just like, I don't, I don't know what these states are supposed to do. And I don't know what these other countries are supposed to do. Because like I said, you're placing these orders and they're getting seized. So what are you supposed to do? <laughs> what do you do if you don't have Robert Kraft in his private airplane to go to China to pick up your stuff so it doesn't get stolen? It's just, it's, in, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And while we're on the topic of insanity and PPE and face masks, um, now both the CDC and the WHO have revised their suggestions on wearing masks in public. If you will remember, they both very famously told everybody that there's no point in civilians wearing masks. They don't do anything for you. You need to save them for the hospitals and the first responders. Don't bother buying any. Don't bother wearing them out in public. Don't do that. Well, yeah. Here's the thing. I, I can understand why they did what they did, but you still lied. They were trying to save as much face masks for doctors and first responders as humanly possible by telling the general public not to buy them. Fair enough, but you lied. You lied and you possibly made this situation worse by lying. Not only did you destroy your own credibility here because now you have to walk it back. And so now... The, the suggestion is wear a face mask in public. If you can get surgical face masks, if you can get N95s, if you can get KN95s, do that. If not, you can make your own cloth masks. And yes, I have cloth masks. I did not make them. Somebody on Etsy made them and I paid for them because that's how capitalism works. But this is where we're at. And there is some some debate as to the usefulness of cloth masks. I think it's better than nothing. So there you go. Um, I'm hearing reports. I've not seen anything around my neck of the woods, but in other places, you're having places like grocery stores who are basically demanding people wear masks if they're going to go into the store. So again, this is one of those where it's just so much could have been prevented if you would have just been honest. If if the CDC and the FDA and the WHO had just been honest with people and been like, even even if when this whole thing jumped off, just be like, yes, masks are helpful, masks are good, but please try to not hoard them because doctors and first responders are going to need them more so than your average civilian person. That's all you had to say. You didn't have to say that there was no point in wearing them because clearly there was a point in wearing them. And places that do routinely wear masks in public have shown a lower transmission rate. So, I mean, they are helpful. And it's just like, it's just another another black eye for the CDC and the WHO, which when this is all said and done, there needs to be some very, very serious conversations about those two agencies and the FDA and their roles in how this has played out and the roadblocks that the FDA is still putting up, even with emergency youth, youth authorizations, it's still taking too long to get those. I mean, it's just in the WHO, and this is something that has been known for a while to those who pay attention, but the WHO has pretty much been 
I mean, Chinese run, like literally Chinese run for years now. So it's not entirely surprising that the WHO ran cover for China on this one. But it's still, you ran cover for China on this one. And now look, we have a global pandemic. And this could have all been prevented. And it seems like every week we get a fresh batch of information that's like, oh, this agency knew back then, or this agency knew this time. And there is some rumors that... It was known in the U.S. federal government that COVID could be a problem as far back as November. Whether that is true or not, I do not know. We can put that kind of in the back of your head. And I would personally rather deal with the timeframes that we do know about and how the CDC and the FDA basically managed to make us lose a whole month. Plus, it's just... uh... Oh, my God. Yeah, there's going to need to be, hopefully, some big, big, big discussions about how this happened. And and somebody needs to be held accountable for this. And not the people put it on China. Yeah, sure. Okay. China. Yes. Think about how you want to handle that. Some people are like, well, we should just stop paying off our debt to China. We should do more tariffs. We should do this. We should do that. I'm like, none of that's really going to hurt them because they don't really give a shit. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to do. It's, it's nuts. But hopefully this will be the start of a conversation when this is all over. And hopefully once at least we get the public health aspect of this down pat, whether when we get some kind of something that can give people assurance of whether it is safe for them to go out, whether it is safe for them to send their children out, whether it is safe to start going to public places again, We can start to have that conversation, hopefully, fingers crossed. But that is it for COVID-related things right now. Um, There were other things that happened this week, or technically the past couple of weeks, because it's been about a week and a half since I've done one of these roundups. But the DNC has officially pushed their convention back to the week of August 17th. So they pushed it back. It was initially scheduled for July. They've pushed it back to August. So there is something there. And it's kind of indicative. And starting to see the things that are being canceled and rescheduled, um, it looks like there is a realization settling in that this is going to go on throughout the summer, into the fall, possibly into the winter. So there's a slow dawning realization that okay, this isn't just going to be we all quarantine for two or three weeks and then we go about to our normal lives. Like, that's clearly not going to happen. So, I don't like that. It's going to take a lot of adjustment. I'm not thrilled, but it seems to be our reality. I I don't know. But they've officially moved theirs. Um, Nothing from the RNC yet, although the RNC, I think theirs was initially planned for the end of August anyway. Um, As far as LP National is concerned, there's nothing official, but I mean, given the fact that it's supposed to be in roughly a month, yeah, no, (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen. So I, I don't know how exactly the LP squares that circle because our convention does actually serve a function. Like the 
the presidential nominee gets elected out on the floor of the convention. We don't have primaries and stuff like that. So there's a lot of logistics that need to be worked out as far as that is concerned, I'm assuming, before any kind of official announcement can be made. But I think it's pretty safe to say that Austin's not happening this year. So um, things that happened that shouldn't have. Um, on the 7th, Wisconsin actually held their primary. Yeah, um, pretty much everyone else has who hasn't already had their primary, obviously, has delayed it to some extent. Um, Wisconsin did not. Essentially what happened, and this kind of has shades of Ohio, too. Um, it was proposed, obviously, to move it back. Um, their Their state Senate blocked it because Republicans still have this stupid pissing contest with the governor of Wisconsin, and they're basically just dead set on blocking anything this man tries to do. So ultimately, they blocked the the bill to move the primary. The Supreme Court had already ruled that a governor cannot unilaterally move the date, so they had it on the 7th. And it was every bit of a disaster, as you would imagine, holding a primary right now would be. Um, there were multiple, multiple, multiple polling places that were closed due to lack of volunteers, because as anybody who knows who's ever been to a polling place, most of the volunteers are elderly people. And obviously elderly people are not supposed to be going places where there's lots of other people and people touching stuff and people breathing on each other. Clearly, they're not supposed to be doing that. So I think it ended up being like the majority of their polling places were actually closed so the ones that were open and they kind of and they kind of like ad hoc to this I guess the ones that were open um tried to do social distancing and everything as much as humanly possible but of course you had tons and tons and tons of people coming out to vote because clearly it's the primary and not that it particularly matters much anymore we'll get to that in a second but we do not have results from Wisconsin yet um probably won't have them till next week just because of everything that happened and you're just the shortage of workers and the shortage of people who are there to count the votes and to certify things. Yeah, it, it's just a whole clusterfuck. And apparently, from what I understand from people in Wisconsin, there were some couple other down tickets, like things on that primary ballot too. But I mean, there's there's no reason this shouldn't have been delayed. Come on now. That's just ridiculous. That's absurd. And Wisconsin is under a stay-at-home order. So technically, these people were violating the stay-at-home order, although one could make the argument that voting is an essential service. But these are people that are not supposed to be congregating in public. We're not supposed to be doing that. We're not supposed to be all standing around in a building, and we're not all supposed to be touching machines all at the same time. And it's, oh my God. But yeah. That happened because some people wanted to be assholes. And so now, hopefully, I'm crossing my fingers for the state of Wisconsin that it doesn't pop up in like two or three weeks. They have like hot spots of COVID because of this nonsense. Because this is just, oh my God, the, push back your damn primaries, people. And don't be assholes about wanting to push back primaries. Like, this is not a pissing competition there's a pandemic going on people stop it but anyway 
to the topic of the results of Wisconsin not even really mattering anymore, which, oh my God. So (laughs) that happened on the 7th. On the 8th, Bernie drops out. So it is now Joe Biden who is going to be the presumptive nominee, obviously for real this time. Um, I was kind of surprised that Bernie dropped out before the convention because I really thought he was going to take it all the way to the convention. I mean, you stayed in this long. And if you were going to drop out, could you possibly have done it before Wisconsin so that people wouldn't have to like go crush into the damn polls like this is still some kind of battle? Damn it, Bernie. But yes, Bernie is officially out and his people are not happy about it. And we would probably be seeing a lot of more whining on the internet if COVID hadn't taken over every aspect of being. So, <laughs> but they're not happy. Um, The DSA has already come out and said that they are not endorsing Biden, which, I mean, honestly, probably the best thing they can do for him and probably the best thing they can do for all of us, which just go be, go, go over there, be fringe. Don't integrate. Don't try to do anything within the Democratic Party. Please just go stand in your corner and stop bothering the rest of us. That makes everybody perfectly happy. Good job, DSA. But so there's that. Um... The people that are just dead set on not voting for Biden no matter what. Yeah, this is going to be interesting, especially when it comes to November, because I'm willing to bet a good portion of these people are going to suck it up and vote for Biden. I mean, because what else are you going to do? Although it is kind of a bitter pill to swallow, especially after you just did that in 2016 for Hillary and still lost. I, I don't know. There's, there's very angry dirtbag lefties, is what I'm saying. And maybe, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in that movement. I was kind of wondering that the other day. And the analogy that the Bernie movement hates is the one that compares it to the Ron Paul movement. But I do think there is value in looking at what happened to the Ron Paul movement and kind of seeing where people ended up, I mean, a lot of people obviously ended up going into libertarianism and into the LP as a actual political party. Um, Some people dropped out of the process altogether. Some people tried to stay within the Republican Party and do changing from within. So I'm very curious to see what happens to this kind of democratic socialist little movement that's going on to see how they disperse. I mean, I don't know. It's, i Honestly, the best thing that could happen to them would be Trump winning because Biden winning just pretty much repudiates everything that they've ever stood for. And at least if Trump wins, they still have that kind of outsider edgelord status. But we'll, we'll see how serious some of these people really were and how much of it was just contrarian bullshit. We shall see. But yep, we now have our presumptive Democratic nominee, Joe Biden, which means we're going to have two very old white men who have mush for brains yelling at each other on a soundstage in the very near future. And obviously, speaking of old white men yelling at each other on a soundstage, uh, clearly there's not going to be an April debate. So the Democratic debate season has officially wrapped up. (laughs) I have covered all of them if you wish to go back into the back catalog. Ooh, that was that was something. <laughs> that was an experiment. That was that was a process. It really was. Um, uh, 
Hopefully nobody ever does that again because we ended up with 11 rounds. It was supposed to be 12. I don't think that was necessary. And I don't know how much was learned from it. And I don't know if it really affected the outcome much at all. But, yep. So, Biden versus Trump. And obviously we don't know really right now anything as far as kind of general debates or how any of that's going to work out. So once we know something, I will let you know. Um, moving on to the stimulus bill. Um, on the topic of the stimulus checks, allegedly they are supposed to be coming out this next week, the week of April 13th. Um, I've seen reporting that everybody who has direct deposit information on file with the IRS should be receiving their money by Wednesday. Like I said, this is all allegedly, this is all things I've seen. I've not seen anything directly come out of the White House saying this, but this is kind of the scuttlebutt. So I know there are people out there who have already received their checks. So just keep an eye on your bank account. Allegedly, you're supposed to be getting your stimulus money this upcoming week. Um, If you do not have direct deposit information on file, um... I would highly suggest doing that if you would like to see that money sometime in the near future, because if not, paper checks, we're still looking at God knows when. Um, TurboTax has a service where you can submit your direct deposit info to the IRS, and I think you can also do it to the IRS directly now. So if this is a situation where you would like to see your money sometime in the near future, and you don't already have direct deposit information on file, I would definitely suggest going and doing that. So... On the topic of stimulus, um, we've not even fully implemented this past bill, but of course, of course, we're already talking about the next one. Because, you know, why not? Money printer go burr. And the Fed money printer go burr too, because they have dumped, um, last time I checked, about $2 trillion into the economy. And this is why people are asking the question like, well, how is it unemployment is skyrocketing, but the stock market is still doing so good? It's the Fed. It's the Fed dumping money into the markets and the Fed actually becoming like a guarantor of loans and an actual buyer of stocks. <sighs> yeah, this is this is just a house of cards that's going to fall over. It's going to fall the fuck over and it's going to be worse than 2008. So that we have looming on the horizon. And of course, even after this massive stimulus bill, we're talking about another massive stimulus bill. Um, Congress is in recess right now, so we're not getting a ton of movement on that. But I'm sure once they come back in, they're going to want to print more money. They're going to want to hand out more money. And it seems like this time from some of the reporting I've seen, it's actually maybe going to do what the first stimulus bill should have done, which is get more money directly into the hands of consumers and small businesses and not worry themselves about bailing out large businesses, which you could have did that in the first place. That's all you had to do in the first place. Damn it. So now I guess the first $2 trillion bill, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, like I've pointed out before, I, I have no idea how to gauge whether it was a success or a failure because I have no idea what its policy aims are. Nobody seems to quite understand what it's supposed to do. So you can't really judge success or failure if you don't know like what success or failure was supposed to be or supposed to look like. 
they're just going to spend more money though. We're probably going to get another stimulus bill and whatever is going to be in it. I mean, obviously we'll discuss that when the time comes, but it's coming. So yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything that I've missed over the past week and a half. And so, like I said, I'm trying to get back on a regular, on my like, you know, regular recording schedule. So hopefully from here on out, that will be something that I will do. I have more free time and it's weird to me. I'm not used to having free time and I have free time and it's just messing up my whole damn schedule. It's so weird. It's (laughs) one little thing. Like you throw off one thing, you get off one extra day and all of a sudden it's like, I don't know when to do things anymore. And I don't know what day it is. And I don't know what time am I supposed to start drinking now? I'm very confused. Why am I eating all this food? Why do I have so much food? This is awful. I'm going to be so fat by the time this is done. But anyway, and I'm sure everybody else is in the same boat too. And at least I still have a job for now. So to all of you who don't, I, I raise my glass and I, I I say a little prayer for you because I don't know when this is going to end and I don't know how it's going to end. So... Fingers crossed for everybody that we all make it through this somewhat okay. Hopefully, hopefully maintain a little bit of hope. But at this point, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up because I've been going on long enough. So if you made it this far, as always, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Take care and until next time.